Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 68 of the IT Career Energizer, a weekly podcast where I chat with inspiring IT professionals, consultants and experts from around the world. To find out more about the podcast, visit itcareerenergizer.com. And remember to subscribe to get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And now let's chat with today's featured guest, Daniel Bryant. Daniel is a technology specialist with expertise in the design, development and deployment of enterprise-grade software applications and platforms. Daniel also excels in leading teams that build these systems and regularly shares his knowledge by presenting at international conferences and writing for well-known technology websites. So Daniel, can I ask you to expand on that summary and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, thanks for the intro, Phil. It's, uh, I make myself sound quite important, don't I, on, on LinkedIn? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I started my career actually as an academic. I always wanted to be a lecturer. So I did a PhD in artificial intelligence and software engineering about 15 or so years ago now, I guess. And then at the same time as doing my PhD, I was doing some consulting work just to pay the bills, basically, doing some web development and so forth back in the, uh, this is like the 2000s. I fell in love with actually doing the consultancy work. It was sort of paid slightly better than being an academic, shall I say it. And also, I really enjoy building things. And the the field I got into in academia was quite theoretical. So I'd, I'd kind of fancied a bit of a change. And then from then on, I basically um, did as much as I could. I got involved with a couple of startups earlier on, which was amazing, because not only did it teach me a bunch about business stuff and about actually delivering value for customers because money was super tight but it also gave me an opportunity to learn a bunch of things i remember distinctly one time uh, the ceo of the company saying you know do you know about databases and i was like no but i can learn and then just like cramming a bunch of books over the weekend about my sequel learning how to become a dba uh, sort of like a you know albeit like a bit of a trial and error dba but I, I really enjoyed this sort of variety of the work. And, and after that, I did some consultancy sort of in various different guises, front end, back end, uh, racking and stacking service sometimes. And then I moved on to ultimately do like a sort of CTO gigs. And uh, CTO, I think, is one of the most abused positions in IT in terms of what it actually means. You can be anything from the lead architect effectively to like, say, a proper CTO thinking about business strategy. But I was very much in the kind of technical uh, domain of the CTO. I worked for a company called IAT. We were doing price comparison engines, things like that. A small sort of uh, st- smallish startup based in uh, in Silicon Roundabout in London. And then I also have done a CTO gig uh, with a company more recently called Specto Labs, and they're still uh, rolling on strong. And that was based around software testing, particularly microservice testing frameworks and, and consultancy. And along the way, I did a bunch of other consultancy stuff. I've kind of mixed and matched, uh, and, and now I'm back to doing consultancy. So I'm working as a kind of consulting CTO, helping a bunch of companies not only sort of formulate their business strategy, but also so, you know with the software architecture, with building teams. So one company I'm working for now is DataWire, based out of Boston in the US, and I'm based in the UK. So working with them sort of on product um, strategy around 
software development tooling. And I'm also working with InfoQ on a slightly different role doing sort of more analyst stuff. So one thing hopefully everyone can hear um, sort of from that is I definitely like variety and I've been super lucky to have that opportunity in my career so far. <laughs> yes, that came over very strongly. I was going to comment on the fact you'd certainly seem to be quite diverse in the things you do. One of my sort of founding values, I guess, is I always enjoy learning and I kind of want to know everything. So once I get involved in a project, it sends me various different places and I'm learning more and more things. Up until now, I've gone with the flow and I am starting to think maybe it's time now to be a bit more strategic. Some of my mentors are actually saying to me, hey, you know, pick a field and you can probably do more good things. So I am contemplating on that. But up until now, I've just really enjoyed the journey, to be honest. Daniel, can you share maybe a unique career tip with the IT career and a jazz audience? I think my tip, and it kind of comes off from the intro, is try many things. And this, you know, definitely has worked for me, I'll say. I'm not going to say it's going to work for everyone. But me, in comparison with a few of my friends, I was very lucky to get the opportunity to try, you know, literally coding, racking and stacking servers, leadership, hiring teams, tried a bunch of stuff. And not only did I learn a lot of things along the way, I also clearly learned how to empathize with the different positions and, and so forth. And I kind of have got a feel or getting a feel of what I am best at and what I probably can deliver the most value at. A few of my friends I've uh, you know, worked closely with over the years, they've kind of stuck at one thing. And, and now, particularly where they're at in their career, they've kind of wondered, oh, what, if only I'd learned this, if only I'd done this thing. And I kind of, for me, the, the trade-off there is, you know, there is a sort of stability, I guess, with doing one thing. But what's the chances we actually find the thing we like and are good at first off? And also sort of as a, as a corollary to that, chatting to many different people, just figuring out opportunities that are out there, that kind of thing is, I think, super valuable. It actually, um, one um, quote I like to share in a lot of my presentations I do, there's a motivational speaker called, I think it's Charlie Tremendous Jones, based out of the US. And I, one of these things you really, um, I really like, which he says, is you'll be the same person in five years as you are today, except for the books you read and the people you meet. And I love reading. So straight away, I was like, that is an awesome quote. I love that. But for me, I think not only with, with the books, and you know, is that important, but it's like the jobs you do, the roles you play and the people you meet. So I co-opted that phrase a little bit by saying, I think, yeah, do as many things as you can, experiment with your kind of um, your skill set, but also meet many people, go to conferences, go to meetups or whatever, and um, even just, you know, get involved in things online, chat to people, figure out the world is like a genuinely a massive place and there's so many different things we can do. And I think having some of those experiences, some of those conversations will help you find your niche. Yeah, that's great advice. Yes. So Daniel, can you maybe tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, these are always tricky questions, aren't they? But I definitely, I won't name and shame companies I've worked with, but I, there's a couple of companies I, I have worked with over the years where my values didn't align with theirs and, and I guess vice versa. My biggest mistakes were I haven't enjoyed my time or haven't learned as much or haven't made as big an impact as I wanted to has been that. And there's a couple of companies in, in particular where during the interview, you're sort of thinking, oh, clearly it's this kind of direction, these values. But then when you actually get to know the company, say after a month or two, you suddenly realize, oh my God, this is a completely different company than, than was advertised. And it's always tricky. Any relationship is, is like that. You know, we always present our, our best selves, don't we, on, on that sort of first um, meeting. And then you kind of get to know the person. And, and we are all just different. So I think my biggest mistake sometimes is not, not doing enough due diligence on, on some of the companies I've worked with, some of the people I've worked with, not also thinking 
in terms of what I actually want, some of the bigger picture stuff I, I've sort of struggled with. As much as I've loved the variety of my work over the years, I've sometimes sort of just rolled into things without thinking, does that make sense? As much as it gives me a great grounding as to, you know, getting a feel for whether it is good for me or not, sometimes if I'd step back and thought, you know, that's probably not not quite the right um, move at the moment. And it's also taken me a, a while, to be fair, to actually figure out my values. And it's something a few of my mentors have kind of helped me over the years, kind of taught me a few sort of skills for really thinking about what what do I value? What do I, I want to do? And when there's definitely been a, a mismatch between sort of my work and, and also the um, and my values, it's times where I've just, yeah, I, I've been a bit demotivated, say. And you know, a few times I, I got involved in one company and I was doing way too much marketing stuff and not enough technology. So the team I was running, they were asking me all these tech questions and I couldn't answer them. I felt guilty. They weren't getting what they needed. And for me, that was a time I, I did properly pause and go, hang on, this isn't working, is it? And, and I tried to fix it. And ultimately, I stepped away from the company because it just wasn't quite working out. But it, that's probably my biggest regret so far, I think. I think it's also one of those things that it's probably easier to understand where things aren't going to or didn't work in hindsight, if that makes sense. So if you go for an interview, maybe the communication you have with the individual in the room at the time didn't go as smoothly as you thought it should, but you gave them the benefit of the doubt. But in hindsight, after you'd possibly been in the job a while, you realize that that was just the way they are. Those sort of things can happen. To be honest with that is... Spot on. Yeah, as in uh, something I've learned quite a bit about over the last few years, and I've done a presentation on it actually, is, is bias. Sort of, you know, we're all susceptible to bias. We all have certain spins one way or the other. And the kind of the availability bias and, and hindsight bias, totally agree with you. <laughs> so I think you're right. In as much as it's very easy for me to, to sit here now and say, you know, I've obviously like there was values misaligned or I've made these mistakes. With hindsight, it's so much easier to say that, isn't it? it? Is. Yes. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> Okay, can you maybe take us to your career highlight or greatest success and tell us about that? Yeah, so I'm going to pick on sort of one topic, but there was multiple occurrences of it. And essentially, it's joining communities, getting involved with communities. And my first real um, real experience of this was the London Java community, the LJC. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second experience was with, with InfoQ, which I can perhaps talk about in a second. But I flirted with working in London for a while and, and sort of I, I left London and then I sort of went back to London and I sort of jumped in with with both feet the second time around I thought you know if I'm gonna make a living in London I'm, I want to get to know the people with similar interest to me in terms of my, my job and my, my sort of my interests and I thought yeah I'll just join a bunch of meetups and I went to a few different meetups but the LJC really clicked not only because I was really into Java kind of Java is my native language as I kind of jokingly say in terms of coding so I really kind of clicked with people in terms of what was going on in the scene but they were just a super supportive community and i'm lucky now to count in particular martin verberg and ben evans kind of two key founders and also barry there as well i'm lucky to count them as kind of my mentors now and yeah it was, I, I look at it i sort of if, if i imagine my career on a graph it's the kind of you know the hockey stick moment or the, the inflection point is joining the ljc and, and i'm so grateful for that kind of opportunity and that not only did they open doors for me and, and teach me a bunch of stuff but um and i now try to do the same i'm, I'm still a member of the ljc and i kind of pay they always taught me pay it forward so i'm always trying to help the next generation and they're still helping me now and, and it's just one of those things where like i mentioned sort of early on in, in the chat it really opened up my eyes to you know a what's possible and b how how people who are people who really care about what they do and care about other people how they behave in a professional environment and it was just 
super awesome. And it's sort of on, on the same kind of note. Uh, when I, I started writing for InfoQ about four years ago, I think, three, four years. And um, I met, uh, I was actually through Ben. Uh, ben Evans actually introduced me to Charles Humble, who's the editor there, the lead editor. And again, similar kind of thing. I went through some training and I, and I learned how to be a writer there and do some sort of journalist stuff. And when I was formally accepted you go through like a, a training process and i was formally accepted and i got introduced on the mailing list and you know suddenly this like sort of um, mailing list emerged and and people congratulated me on the mailing list with people i i'd looked up to for years you know I suddenly i realized i was part of this community and i looked on the actual mailing list members and who was actually writing for InfoQ. and i'd never really done that until that point and i suddenly realized all these people i'd admired for ages and i was like oh wow now i've got their email address i can i can totally reach out and, and bug them about stuff and that was yeah that again it was an inflection point in the I got invited to a bunch of conferences off my InfoQ connections and um, sort of some job kind of things, some contract works come up through that. And probably more importantly than all that stuff, it's just there are a bunch of awesome people. I've had so many great chats. We, we try to meet up at least, you know, um, sort of a few times every year at the various QCon conferences in London, San Francisco, New York. And we meet up in London and other places I travel to as well. And they're just an awesome bunch of people. And again, it's the kind of sharing experiences, offering a bit of mentoring sort of both ways and just sharing kind of ideas with like-minded people that are different enough that you kind of you know you're always learning stuff but you kind of it probably comes down to the values again we, we share a lot of similar values so those two moments like joining the communities have been super influential to to my um my life to be honest not just my career but my life <laughs> daniel maybe you can tell us about what excites you about the future of the it industry and careers in it in some ways, it's what doesn't excite me. Uh, I know it sounds a bit sort of a bit cliched, but there's so much going on. I mean, the the world around us now is there's a computer everywhere. Basically, you know, there's a chip in everything, uh, rightly or wrongly. <laughs> there's a chip in you know in light bulbs and so forth. But for me, I mean, that it, it does offer fantastic opportunities. And I think in everything that's important to us as a species, dare I say, it, without sounding too grand, but things like you know space travel, uh, climate change, all these kind of things computers are involved so for me it's a case of you got to work kind of hard to avoid them these days but if you do embrace the computing stuff there's so much good to be done i think particularly with the rise of things like ai at the moment so i'm, I'm super interested like sort of partly my my academic backgrounds but just as a, as a developer i'm super interested in what's going on with with ai and things i th you know everyone's a bit sort of nervous myself included perhaps to some degree in terms of you know when you get kind of generalized AI, for example. But at the moment, I think there's many years where we can get a lot of value from augmenting our human abilities with with machines. So I, I'm super excited to see what we go with that. Some of the perhaps more boring or mundane stuff, I think, can totally be automated and, and, and things. We've got to take care. There's a bunch of ethical um, sort of dilemmas around that as well, which I think are actually really interesting in, the, in and of themselves. I've been lucky enough to get involved with some of that work in, um, in InfoQ and QCon to explore some of the ethical dilemmas. And I think there's so much exciting to do, both from a technical point of view, from a business point of view. You know, technology impacts politics, it impacts the markets, it impacts social stuff we do. What's not loved, what's not to love? You know, if you get involved in IT, you can genuinely make a difference. And uh, I think right from the grassroots level up to the kind of strategy level of, of what, what's going on in the world. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? Mm, go for it. Okay, so what first attracted you to a career in IT? I love to build things and help people. I've always loved that right from an early young age. So that was the, the driver. What is the best career advice you've ever received? That would be find mentors and be a mentor. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? 
I think I'd do something very similar to what I've done now. Probably there'd be a bit more focus on, on AI and, and cloud technologies. And I probably would travel a little bit more, maybe even live in other countries rather than just travel to them now. What career objectives are you currently focusing on? Uh, at the moment, I'm learning more and more around business stuff. So learning around um, strategy, finance, uh, loving Simon Wardley stuff at the moment, if anyone's bumped into that. So doing Wardley mapping as I'm getting the bigger picture of how to help organizations, not just with tech, but with business as well. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? For me, it's been public speaking, with probably writing a close second. But both of them are about kind of getting my thoughts together and learning by teaching. Daniel, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? Learn the fundamentals. As much as I've been saying about um, doing lots of different things, getting lots of variety, one thing I've been sort of focusing on a bit of, of late is balancing my time between, say, learning fundamentals, learning um, perhaps more topical things, and then, you know, learning really kind of hot topics, so to speak. So spreading my my sort of time appropriately, always you know, perhaps like 50% of my time on fundamentals, 30% on topics, and then 20% on, on super hot topics. So I'm going to say to everyone, like with things like social media, things like blogs, it's super tempting sometimes to get sucked into the latest hotness. And I've totally been guilty of that <laughs> at times with to do with certain technologies. But I have really benefited by, you know, even from a technical point of view, dialing it back to architecture, really understanding, you know, cohesion coupling, all these kind of fundamental things. But also from a business point of view as well, like the more I've learned about business of late, the more I realize there's actually um, a lot of good I can do there with a the kind of combination of my tech skills and my business skills. So I think, as I've already said, you know, learn, learn many different things. I talk to many different people, read many different books. Be conscious of, are you learning fundamentals or are you learning the latest hotness? And try and mix in a bunch of those things. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and potentially connect with you? Sure thing. So I'm uh, Daniel Bryant UK uh, on most places. So you can find me on Twitter, at Daniel Bryant UK. I think my LinkedIn's the same, GitHub, uh, Medium I'm writing at these days. But the most responsive channel you'll find is on, on Twitter. And my, D, uh, my DMs, my direct messages are open. So anyone can drop me a private message or tweet at me. That's probably the fastest way to get in contact. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks, Phil. It's been fun. My thanks to Daniel for being my guest on today's show. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e68. In next week's episode, I'll be talking with Ben Stopford, a software architect and engineer currently working at Confluent. If you haven't done so already, please remember to subscribe to the podcast in whichever streaming service you're using to listen. Thanks again for listening. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.